Uh, I've been talking to you about what God has said in his word and the importance of lining up with it. Yesterday I talked about a woe, and again, trying to remind you that, you know, woes aren't there because God wants to restrict you. They're there because he knows what will happen if you do that. That's all. So understand that and align your life with it. I find the Bible actually simple, not difficult. It's simple because the, the commands in there are simple. I mean, who doesn't understand love the Lord? Who doesn't understand really love your neighbor? I mean, how hard is this? Well, you say it's hard to implement. Well, you're right, it, it is. But it's not hard to understand. It's just hard for us sometimes to implement. And why is it hard to implement? Because we make it hard. It's, it's really, that's what we do. We make things hard. When you make things hard, you have a difficult time doing them, like taxes or whatever else it might be. If you want to make something difficult, it gets to where you just get frustrated and you don't do it anymore. You know, for example, relationships are really simple. If anyone tells you relationships are complicated, they've made them complicated. Relationships actually are simple. When, when I don't have, when my relationship with my wife isn't good, it's because I'm being an idiot. That's simple. Quit being an idiot. Cured. Or she is. Or you could say self-centered. Or one or the other. See, when you make it so complicated that you say, well, you know, it's the way I grew up, and it's this, and it's that. Well, it is all that. But now you're making it more complicated, and it's harder to fix. The truth is, if I'm being self-centered, it, it may not matter how I got there. I'm still being self-centered. That's what I have to understand and say, ooh, that's not good. That's not going to work. So I encourage you as you go through the Bible, keep it simple. Apply the simplicity of God's word and don't add a bunch of complications to it somehow. Uh, I know some of the academics like to argue is that, you know, did God create the earth in seven days? And here's, here's, here's what we know. God created it. Enjoy it. Make it. Take the simple premise that's out there and begin to apply it and enjoy it. Today I want to talk to you about some hard things that God has said. Again, I'm on this. This is what he said. It's things you're not going to hear taught a lot because these aren't fun to teach. So there, there's nothing about this that you say, oh, I can't wait to teach this. No, there are some things that just aren't fun. Let me give you a Deuteronomy 28.20 says, the Lord will send curses confusion, and frustration in all you undertake to do until you are destroyed and perish quickly on the account of the evil of your deeds because you have forsaken me. Now, this is in the Old Testament. It's in the book of Deuteronomy. It's, it's not written to you. What I'm gleaning from this is a principle. There's a principle here. What God is basically saying is, you know what, the, when you're being as a people, when you as a group are being cursed by God, it's going to look like this. There's going to be confusion. Let, let me ask you as a culture, are we confused? This, this today, the school system in Los Angeles said that they're going to refuse to open unless they defund the police of Los Angeles. I, honestly, as a teacher, I'm thinking, really? So you want teachers to be policemen too? My daughter's a social worker in Milwaukee. Last thing she wants is to defund the police. 
Why? Because they're counting on her to take care of the problems then. They need help. Do you think people in our nation right now are confused? They, they are. They're confused. Confusion is not something that comes from a solid relationship with God. Confusion comes when everyone does what's right in their own eyes and they claim it's right, and, and so it contradicts each other. That's when confusion comes. Confusion is not a, 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 a um, fruit of the Spirit. So it's important for you to grab the idea, okay, confusion is something that we want to avoid, and it's something that happens to people who basically complicate life to the point where they can't understand the simple truths of God. I'm not saying, by the way, police or not police. I don't think that's in the Bible. I'm just saying when you look at where everything is right now in the world, there's a lot of confusion. There's there's a lot of frustration. That's the next thing it says. People who aren't going to listen to God, but what's going to happen is they're going to be confused and they're going to be frustrated. Some of you might be frustrated with how things are happening in our country. You might be frustrated with your school or, or your government or your whatever it is. Frustration, again, is not a fruit of the Spirit. It's just not. So when it's there, you've got to look at it and say, why is it there? Why is confusion there? Why is frustration there? And it says, in all that you undertake to do. See, that's what covers everything. Basically, what happens is the world gets to be a mess. And it happens because later in the verse it says, because your evil deeds, because you've forsaken God. There's a way that people live when they love God, and there's a way that they live apart from God. And if you're going to live apart from God, then here's what's going to happen. Each person's going to do what's right in their own eyes. And when each person does what's right in their own eyes, there's going to be a bunch of rights and a bunch of wrongs, but your wrong might be somebody else's right. And then all of a sudden, you got all these problems. See how complicated it gets? It gets complicated, it gets confusing. Confusion reigns, frustration reigns, and now you've got a bunch of people that are just nuts. And that's what happens. And we're being warned that that's actually what happens. There's a principle here. Those people who have ignored God, those people who have forsaken God, the, the fruit is confusion and frustration. And, and really, it's their choice to have done that. In Malachi 2, 2, it says the same thing. If you will not listen, it's an if clause. If you don't listen to God, if you don't take it to heart to honor my name, says the Lord of hosts, how do you honor God's name? How do you do that? Well, it said earlier, you just listen to him. That's how you honor his name. Let's say I asked you to do something, and, and I, you know, I, at Dakota, let's say I asked you to hold this pole the rest of the day like this. So I come by about every hour and check, and he's just standing here holding the pole. And, and you might come and say, Dakota, what are, you, what are you doing? I'm holding the pole. Why? I don't know. Dave said to. Do you know why he said to? No, but he wouldn't ask me to do something wasn't necessary. It, what he's doing is he's honoring me by doing what I asked him to do, even though he doesn't get it totally. And every time I come by, he's still holding the pole. Every time you come by, he's still holding the pole. And all of you are starting to say, Dakota, you're crazy. But what he's actually doing is honoring what I asked him to do. Not only that, I asked him to do something he actually could do. Do you think you could hold this pole like this? Sure you could. He could. This is possible. Fingers, round, grab it. Possible. 
So I didn't ask him to do anything that he couldn't do. I didn't ask him to do anything overly difficult. All I asked him to do was hold the pole. Now, the only way he's going to do that until I tell him to stop is if he actually trusts me and thinks, okay, I don't know everything. I, I don't know why, but Dave said to. And then he's honoring my position and who I am at that point. When you listen to God, you're honoring him. Those who refuse to honor him end up confused and angry. That's it. So again, and God doesn't ask us to do anything we can't do. God has never asked any person to do something they cannot do. If you can't do it and he asks you to do it, then he supplies. For example, let's say you're Moses and he says, why don't you cross the Red Sea? It's like, I don't know how to cross the Red Sea. I can't cross the Red Sea. God goes, got it covered. Just cross the Red Sea for me, would you? What do you have to do, Moses? Just walk. You know how to walk? I asked you to walk. See, I'm asking you to do something you can actually do. Walk. I'm not asking you to cross it. I mean, split it. All the way through, you look at all the miracles in the Bible. God wasn't asking people to do the miracles. He always asked them to do what they're supposed to do. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, favorite example. Are you supposed to bow to another king? Physically, you can deny bowing to another king. You can do that. Oh, yeah, but then we burn in a furnace. Don't worry about that. Why? That you can't help. This you can help. Don't worry about what you can't help. Worry about what you can help. I can listen. Okay, listen. Yeah, but I don't get it. I'm going to burn in the fire. Well, you might not. Oh, you might, by the way. I, that's up to me. So they're walking to the fire. Eventually they get thrown in. And while they're getting thrown in, I can't help them. I, they got to think, wonder what's happening here. But we did what we can do. He told us not to bow. We didn't bow. Now we're, okay, whatever it is. You can go to any miracle in the Bible and go through that process. It's not that God's asking you to do the miracle. He's just asking you to do what you can do. Hold the pole. You know, just do it. Why? Because you can. And it's important that you listen to him. See, according to Malachi, because people don't listen, because they ignore him, there's wrath, there's anger from God. Why? Because... Picture it. He's just saying, I want you successful, but all you got to do is listen to me. Please just listen. That's all I'm asking. I'm really not asking you to do more than just listen. He wants you to have good marriages, by the way, one day. He does, if you get married. He wants you to be a content single if you're going to stay single all your life. He wants you, I mean, I can go through and say, I know what he wants, but here's what you have to do. You have to listen to him. And if you listen to him, it actually works. You see, the choices that you and I have, everything we have a choice. Here's what I want you to realize. Any choice you make will make you dependent on something. Any choice that you make will make you dependent. So those of you that like to be totally independent, it's never going to happen. Because every choice makes you dependent. You can be dependent on money. You can be dependent on work. You can be dependent on another person. Every choice does. When you make choices that leave you dependent upon circumstances, people, finance, that kind of stuff, that's not where you should be. Because the only one you should be dependent upon is God. And being dependent upon God is a good thing, not a bad thing. Because he's the only one that you should be dependent upon because he can actually provide for you. So you see, when you look at it, you say, well, I'm going to make decisions. I'm going to take, pull myself up by my bootstraps and make, you know, do my own. 
Okay, you will be dependent on something. Right now, there are many businesses in the United States of America that are, are going bankrupt. And, and we might too one day. I have no idea. But here's what I promise you. If we go bankrupt, it's because God decided that we're out of here. We're done. We're not dependent upon the economy. We're dependent upon God. See, that's different. If we were dependent upon the economy, I tell you, I'd be busy doing something else right now, trying to figure out all kinds of stuff. But we're not dependent upon that. What, what a ministry really needs to do, what a church, what people God need to do is look at each other and say, what, are, what do we need to do? Do you realize whether there's a pandemic or not, our, our mission hasn't changed? It doesn't matter whether there's a flu going around or COVID or leprosy. But it's the same thing. We, we need to show the world who God is. And yeah, we, we might have different methods of how to do that at times, but we still got to do it. You know, the best way to do that is face-to-face. -face. I understand that. You can't always do it, though. So your choice, whatever choice you make in life, remember, the choice that you make today is going to make you dependent upon something. And, and healthy people... They keep making choices that leave them dependent upon God. That's the choice that they actually make. The decisions in life are important. In Deuteronomy 28, 1 and 2, it says, and if you faithfully obey me, here's one of those, again, those, those passages that drive you nuts because a lot of times what we want to do is say, God, just make me do what I'm supposed to do. Make, no, there's a lot in the Bible that says, if you do this, then this will happen, either good or bad. It, it just gives you the choice. But if you faithfully obey the voice of the Lord your God, being careful, being careful to do something. Being careful to do what? Be careful to do all his commandments. In other words, God's coming again saying, look, hold the pole. Got it? I'm asking you to do something you can do. Just listen. I promise you if you listen, you will not be sorry. I'm not saying you'll understand. I'm just promising if you listen, you'll understand later. It may not make sense to you. It doesn't have to. You need to trust in me. That's where faith comes. So those who are obeying the voice of the Lord and they're careful to do what he says, he says that God will set you high above all the nations on the earth and the blessings will come upon you. God, on the opposite of what I just read, he said, but if you choose to listen to me, you'll be blessed. I'll bless you. That's all. So it's really your choice. Here's what modern Christians have a problem with. There's works involved there. We're people of mercy and grace. You're right, God is always merciful and graceful. And that's not what today's message is about. So I'm not going there. But, but the bottom line really is, he's a God of mercy, he's a God of grace. In God's family, once you're a believer, you have your trust in Christ, you still have choices to make. And if you make poor choices within his family, what it means is you're a kid that made poor choices in his family and there's gonna be consequences. It doesn't mean that God doesn't love you anymore. It doesn't mean that he throws you out of his family. What it means is that you're gonna be at a loss for what it could have been. Life could have been differently, but it's not the way it could be because you chose not to listen to God. In fact, in Ephesians 5, 5, it says this. For this you know with certainty, very seldom in the Bible does a, a, a verse start with that. For this you know in certainty. Absolutely you know this. Next words. That no immoral 
or impure person or covetous man who is an idolater has an inheritance in the kingdom of God. Whoa. Ephesians, written to believers. What's it saying there? Then it goes on to say, let no one deceive you. There will be people saying that this is not true. It is true. That's the way it is. Here's what you have to understand, that God, if you're in his family, if you put your trust in Jesus Christ as your Savior, that, then you're a child of God. And those who are faithful as children of God, if you're faithful, he'll reward you for it. Here's what that means on the other side. If you're not faithful, you will not get rewarded for it. That's all it means. I wish I could tell you exactly what that means. I, w I wish I could tell you then. Here, here's why I don't want to tell you. I'm an old teacher. And when a child used to come to me in a classroom and say, all right, Mr. Wager, we, you want us to write a paper, how long does it have to be? It used to just drive me nuts. Like, are you asking so you can make it as short as possible? Is that the deal? Here's what I want you to do. I want you to learn something from this paper so it needs to be as long enough till you learn something. If it's five words, great. If it's 2,000 words, great. You know, whatever. Of course, then it's five words. But the bottom line really is, I don't like the question because what you're asking is, what is the minimal I can do? I don't want to know the, I don't want to tell you the minimal. I want you to learn something. So a lot of people come to God and say, what's the minimal I got to do, God, to get you to say, well done? I'm sure God goes, what are you talking about, minimal? The minimal you should do? Yeah, yeah, you know what? I just want to love the world a little bit and do that kind of stuff, but I don't really want to be overwhelming, well done, just kind of a well done kind of thing, might do. I'm sure God looks at that as a funny request or a funny thought. It doesn't make any sense. And that's what's saying here. No certainty this. There are people who are children of God and, and, and as children of God, there are people who are children of God that will do what I ask them to do. And when people who are children of God do what I ask them to do, they're not going to regret that one day. That, that's what I'm telling you. The thing that Dave Wager can't tell you is what that actually means. Because I don't know. We don't know what eternity is going to look like. I've heard a lot of people er erroneously say, once you're dead on this earth, everything's the same in heaven. That's not taught in the Bible anywhere. It really isn't. There is differences. Now, you say, well, there's no tears in heaven. Well, perhaps you'll be actually happy for somebody who has more than you. I have no idea how God's going to work all that, but he's going to work it. I do know that the idea of rewards you need to be careful about because rewards mean something. And God is going to reward those who are faithful and do what's right. He's going to. And it means something. It's not meaningless. So today, if God tells you something, you're not going to listen Okay, you're not going to be rewarded for that one day, and you're going to wish you did listen. I don't know what that means, though. I know that's very helpful to you, but, but I don't know what it means. And I'm not sure I'm supposed to, because I'm not sure God's saying, well, if it was this, would you listen? If it was this? See, that's not the point. The point is, are you going to listen to God or aren't you? In Revelation 3.21, just to show you, it says, The one who conquers, I will grant him to sit on my, father, on my throne as I also conquered and sat down with my father on his throne. In other words, the people who do what they should, I'm going to give them this special privilege. There are a certain amount of thrones in, the, in, in glory. I think there's 24 of them. And, and so somebody's going to be sitting on those. Not sure who. All I know is that God wouldn't tell us I'm going to reward the faithful and not have a reward for them. And, and make the other 
side meaningless. It's not going to be meaningless. When you die, you face God, you're going to want to face him. Where he says, well done. You're going to want to hear those words. And he's not going to lie. So you need to adjust your life according to what he asked you to do. If he asked you to hold the pole, hold the pole. If you hold the pole and that's all you do in life, and he said, hold the pole, you die. He goes, man, am I proud of you? You held that pole all your life. Good for you. This is my boy. You know, he held that pole. And you might be going, I still don't know why I held the pole. No, but you listen to me. See, and that's all I asked you to do is do something I asked you to do that you can't do. You did it. And that's how simple it is at times. Now, there's a lot of people like say, yeah, that's why people can lose their salvation or whatever. I, I don't think you can. The, the reason we think that is because we get messed up on the reward thing. We don't realize that rewards actually mean something. And that some people will be in God's presence as his children. In order to have an inheritance, by the way, if you're going to use that word, you have to be in the family in the first place. You don't get an inheritance if you're outside the family. So those people who get an inheritance, those who miss out on the inheritance, they're missing out on something they could have had as children of God. Uh, Revelation 4.4, around the throne were 24 thrones. And seated on the thrones were 24 elders clothed in white garments with golden crowns on their head. I don't know who these 24 are. You can read all kinds of commentaries and they'll tell you who they are. I don't know who they are. All I know is there's 24 that'll be signals out that say, these guys, these ladies, man, they're on thrones. I don't know who they are. Be interesting to see one day. What can you actually do? I'm going to get very practical with you. What can you do actually? Because some of the time saying, well, that's pie in the sky. It's not really. I think you need to get in the Bible and read the Bible. And if you know God says something, you need to do it. It's that simple. If you're not in his family in the first place, you really need to get in his family. You need to understand that Christ paid for your sins. You can never get in his family by being good enough. There's nothing in the Bible that ever teaches that. The confusion comes when people forget that being in the family, you still should be good. But it doesn't save you. It doesn't make you part of the family. It's just a, something, an expectation that should happen because your father is God. Here's what you can do. Four things. Number one, I think every day you need to acknowledge God is God. Now, what that does is basically put you in the right position to listen. So for me, if you've been around, you know, I say it a lot. It's you're God. I'm Dave. Okay, we got that cleared right from the start. There's a God. You can do that every day. You need to admit to God every day. He's God. You're not. Nobody else is, nothing else is, he's God. Very important acknowledgement every day. Second thing, you need to define things as God defines them. All right, now, by that I mean, isn't it easy right now? In fact, the, uh, reading something about the LA School Department saying, yeah, we just need to love one another. Okay, let's just stop there for a minute. I wanna define the word love the way God defines it and see if that fits. I don't want to define it the way I want to define it because I could take a word and mess it up totally. My definition could be wrong. It may not be the same as God's. So when God says to love him and love other people, if we don't know what he means by it, then we're just playing around. So you need, as you go through the Bible, one of the things you want to do is make sure it's the Bible defines things that you define them. So I would suggest to you that God has defined marriage. He's defined what a relationship with him looks like. He's defined things in the Bible. And if you want to know his definition, you should go look at it, and that's what you hold to. And, and as you hold to that, you won't be sorry down the road. So first, acknowledge God as God. Second, define things in terms the way God does. 
Third, obey God. Or love God. See, that was the first commandment. Obey God. So, so once you acknowledge he's God, once you define it like him, just decide you're going to listen to him. I, notice I didn't say decide you're going to understand him. That, that's a secondary part. But you're going to listen because he's God. And the fourth thing is love people. I know those are very simple things. But the word love people there needs to be defined the way God does. The word love God. You know, by the way, God did define what it means to love him. Do you remember what that is? If you love him, what do you do? You obey him. By the way, there's nowhere in the Bible that says, if you love Dave, you'll obey Dave. I'm as sinful as all of you. That's not in the Bible. It, it isn't even in there for my wife, Linda, where it says, if you love Dave, you'll obey Dave. You know, it's not in there. It's very unique. The relationship you have with God is unique, and you need to leave it unique. The reason love can be defined as obedience to God is because God's perfect. He's right all the time. The only way to love him is to listen to him. How do you love one another? You basically put their best interest before yours. That's all. Go through the Bible, check it out. You, you basically do that. You put their interest before yours. You die to yourself. You make sure their well-being is what you're thinking about. Therefore, you've loved God and you've loved each other. Acknowledge God as God, define as he defines, obey God or love God and love people. You do those four things, you'll be okay. You'll stand before God. You know, because some of you might be saying, oh, I'm worried, you know, if you do this, all these plagues will come upon you. Don't worry about all that stuff. If you're holding the pole, if God said hold the pole and you're holding it, don't worry about all the punishments that are coming to people who don't. Because it's not applying to you. You can do what you can do, and that's the fun part. I can do what God asked me to do, so can you. Let me pray. Father, again, thank you that we could meet. I thank you for this crew. I, I again ask you to keep our camp safe, keep it clean, keep the virus away, allow us to serve these campers that are here, allow young people who don't know you to come to you and understand your love, your forgiveness, the purpose in life you can give them. In Jesus' name, amen.